Father God, we know that there are some people here that are struggling this morning with either sickness, uh, emotional, or even spiritual matters, Father God. But Father, I hope the message that you gave to me through your Holy Spirit this morning, and now may the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, amen. Uh, The passage I picked for this morning is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Now right here we're talking about the temptation of Jesus. Before this we see that Jesus was baptized. Then after that, after this little scenario that we have in scripture, Jesus started his earthly ministry. After Jesus was baptized, he was led immediately by the Spirit of God as we see in verses 1 into the desert. And traditionally we see this as near Jericho. For a period of testing. How many of you have been tested in your life? Almost every day, right? And sometimes it's because of our own doing, is it not? That we're being tested. This period of time was necessary period under God's direction. A time in which the son obeyed. He does obey God. He's obedient to God. After fasting for 40 days when the Lord was hungry, the test began. From God's standpoint... The test demonstrated the quality of the Lord. It was impossible for the divine son to sin. And that fact actually heightened the temptation or the test. He could not give in to the test and sin. But he had to endure until the tests were completed. The first point is taken from verses 3 through 4. And we'll see Jesus' response. And after these three temptations, I have an action of response from us that we can glean from Scripture. The first one, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. You see, the first test here that we see from Satan pertained to the matter of Jesus as the Son of God. In other words, his sonship. Satan assumed that if he were the Son of God... Perhaps he could be persuaded to act independently of the Father. 
Satan's test was subtle, for since Jesus is the Son of God, he has the power to turn the stones all around him into bread. But that was not the will of the Father at this moment. Because overall, we know the will of the Father was what? That Jesus would die on the cross for his sins. That's the biggest will God gave Jesus. You've got to do this. You've got to be obedient to die on the cross for the sins. But here, it was different. The Father's will was for him to be hungry in the desert. Think about that. God purposely... And by the Spirit led Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights without food. Now, how many of you are we can sit here today without food for any amount of time? Of course, we need water, do we not? Think about that. In that stressful situation that you and I could be facing of being hungry or any other situation in our life, how can we sustain that? How do we react? What is the will of the Father to us in that moment, in that situation? But Jesus therefore quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, which affirms that man does not live on bread alone, but by God's word. We remember, not this point in his ministry, but down a few chapters and a few more months and weeks, what did Jesus do? He fed 5,000 people with what? Bread and fish. Miraculously. He did that. Think about that. Some of his disciples thought, well, what, how are we going to get that bread? We just have a loaf, or we just have this few fish. But he performed that miracle. He satisfied their desires. It is better to obey God's word than to satisfy human desires. We all have human desires, do we not? We all have them. Sometimes, a lot of times they're good, and what? Sometimes they're bad for us. Right? The fact that Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy showed him and showed us that he recognized the inerrant authority of Deuteronomy. You see, there are scholars today that do not like going back into the Old Testament and showing the redemptive history of Jesus Christ or even the prophecies. But here, when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, he made a significant statement. Think about that. What is our action to this? What Jesus said that we should not live on bread alone, but by God's word. We are to, in effect, to digest the word of God daily. The word of God is what you and I need daily to survive spiritually on this earth. Especially in this fallen world. We need it every single day. Hebrews 4.12 states, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And in 2 Timothy 3.16-17, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm telling you, if there's something going on in your life, when you open scripture that day, a lot of times what happens, the scripture will show you your fault or your sin. How many times has that happened to you? 
It has happened to me. And I thank God for that through the working of the Spirit. When you read the Scripture, it will show you your faults. doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but the Holy Scriptures are there to help us. The Word of God, friends, shows us redemptive history. The Word of God leads us to Jesus Christ. The Word of God convicts us of our sin. The Word of God shows us hope only in Jesus Christ. The Word of God will grow our faith. The Word of God will show us how to live in this earth right now. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. And you know what? We don't have any more excuses not to be in the Word of God, do we not? What do we have? We have the words in the Bible, right, of the book. We also have technology. Diane and I know a, a pastor up from Iowa. He does every single night, he has audio at his bed. He's been doing, I don't know how many, he said, what, 30 years or more? But God has blessed him through that. For that many years, he would have it on in the car. In fact, a couple of us were talking about that the other day. You know what? If you're frustrated with something or you're not that good of a mood, go to audio, put it on your car, and let it go. Just like worship music, I guarantee it will put you in a better spot before you get to your destination. By being in the Word of God during our temptations, the Holy Spirit will bring out the Word of God in their minds to fight the temptations. What did Jesus do? He went right to Scripture. Immediately, he went to Scripture. He went to Scripture. The second temptation of Jesus. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. When we see the word pinnacle, it may be literally transferred as wing. This term could have meant the outermost part of the temple's wall, which overlooked the Kidron Valley, or the part of Herod's temple, which overlooked the inner court. You see, this second temptation by Satan appealed to personal display or popularity. This test was built on the first one. Satan, let me back up. This is built on the first test, for he is the Son of God and the Messiah, and nothing can harm Jesus Christ. Nothing. Satan took him to the highest point of the temple. Here Satan made a subtle suggestion to Jesus as the Messiah. In effect, he was reminding Jesus of Malachi's prophecy as shown in Malachi 3.1, which had led to a common belief among the Jews that the Messiah would suddenly appear from the sky and coming down to the temple. And Satan knew that. Satan was saying in the essence, why don't you do what the people are expecting and make some marvelous display? After all, Satan was quoting from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. The scripture does say his angels will protect, his angels, Jesus' angels will protect him, and you won't get hurt as you come down. You see, Satan's thought may have thought if Jesus could quote scripture to him, well, he could do the same thing. Satan knows the scripture. However, he purposely did not quote 91, 11 through 12 in Psalm, accurately, he left out one little phrase, in all your ways. According to the psalmist, a person is protected only when he is following the Lord's will. 
When we do things on our own, we could be exposed to certain things. It might not go our way. Think about that. For Jesus to cast himself down from the pinnacle of the temple in some dramatic display to accommodate himself to the people's thinking will not have been God's will. That it would not be proper, right, to test God and test Jesus. What's our action? How many of us have possibly put God to the test? Think about that. Sometimes we may not even know that we're doing that, but sometimes we do put God to the test. You see, a lot of times that when we're searching for miracles, especially when it comes to health, right, there's a time in our life that we pray for those miracles to happen to heal us. Some people get healed and some do not. And we just come off a series about prayer, did we not? Well, sometimes when we go to the throne of God, when we pray to Jesus and to God saying, heal me, Father God, what is our attitude? Because recently, Dave and I, about three weeks ago, were talking about from Jeremiah, where is our heart? You see, we can pray boldly to Jesus and to God. But if we demand it, we are testing God. Because sometimes when we demand something, what is going on with our heart, right? We want something so bad that we demand it from God. When we tempt God, we try to force him to contradict his own word. We can pray boldly again to God, but not demand it. There's a fine line. You know, many years ago, we all know about the lottery, do we not? Because what was it here recently? Over a billion dollars, I think? And now again, it's like way up there again. When I was in the Navy, we lived in Hampton, Virginia. And I'm sitting there Saturday morning early, having a cup of coffee, watching the news. And a lottery at that time in Virginia was like 10 or $11 million. That was huge. That was back in the early 90s. Huge. So I sat there, I don't know if it was a couch or the chair, and said, you know, God, if I go buy that ticket, and if I win that, if I match that number, then I will give something back to you. I tell you what, that was the dumbest thing that I ever did in my life. You know what? I haven't bought a lottery ticket since because God taught me a lesson during that. He humbled me. He humbled me. You and I are the same way with that. We have stuff in our life, right, that we put God to the test. But you know what? Thinking That was even before I was saved even when I thought about that. And I was thinking of the big house that we could have, right? I could retire from the Navy early, get out of the Navy. But God disciplined me. It says in Hebrews, God will discipline us if he sees fit. And he will. He disciplined me. And he humbled me. The third temptation is taken from verse, verses 8 through 11. All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. That is Satan, right? Satan's final test related to God's plan for Jesus. It was in his God's design that Jesus Christ rule the world. See, Jesus showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world with all their splendor. 
You know, I think we all, majority of us here have been in the mountains, right? Been on, on the top peak, right? And we look around for miles. Many, many miles we see from the eye's end. We see that he, Satan was showing that to Jesus. These kingdoms presently are Satan's because you know what? We have Jesus. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. But he's letting Satan run right now. That's why you have a lot of people who are having issues in our society. Look what's going on today. We got people that have no idea if they're male or female. We got people going out there killing babies in their wounds because for self-pleasure. Because they don't want to take care of that child. And if you look at the political structure, I don't know if you all saw, but some crazy stuff has been going on in D.C. lately. You know what? The kingdom here is only temporary. Amen to that. But Satan will keep tempting us. He's not going to stop. He will not stop. You see, Satan had all the power to give all these kingdoms to Jesus at that time. If only Jesus would bow down and worship Satan, right? Satan was saying, I can accomplish the will of God for you, and you can have the kingdoms of this world right now. This, of course, would, lead, would mean that Jesus would never have gone to the cross. Think about that. We wouldn't even be here right now. We'd be assembling for what, what reason? To talk? He supposedly could have been the king of kings without the cross. However, this would not have thwarted God's plan for salvation and redemptive history. Jesus' response, once again, from Deuteronomy 6.13 and 10.20, was that God alone should be worshipped and served. Jesus resisted this temptation. You know what? Looking back, look what happened here. Interestingly, Satan's temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden correspond to those of Jesus in the desert. Satan appealed to the physical appetite, the desire for personal gain, and an easy path to power or for glory. And in each case, Satan altered God's word. Satan's temptation of people, they often fall into the same three categories. It looks better over there. That website looks better. The one who identified himself with sinners by baptism and who would provide righteousness proved he is righteous. And he revealed himself by the approval of his father. Then Satan left Jesus. Because you know what said? Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Interesting, I was doing some research and there's a story that's been told in a museum in China. Let me back up. What's our action? What's our response? Worship God only. Worship Jesus only. The first commandment that God gave to Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. We should have no other gods before God or to Jesus. Now back to the museum in China. There's an exhibit called the American God. Can you guess what it is? It was a dollar bill framed. Yes, we do have to have economy to live in this, in this nation, right? But the point of what they probably didn't realize what they were doing, sometimes Americans put money first before God or before anything else. 
You know, a lot of times you and I, sometimes not on purpose, but sometimes we do serve other, I don't know, people or things, right? Because you know what? We serve Jesus, right? And who does the people of Buddha serve? Nothing. It's air. I don't know if any of you have been in a Buddha temple or something, but it's crazy. What they worship. They worship everything that is inside that temple. Snakes, bread, milk, you name it. It's millions of things that they worship. But we are to worship the true God. Every day we are to worship. We are to worship in spirit and in truth. Not just when we come together on Sundays, right? Every single moment of our lives. And when we do mess up, what do we do? We confess to God. God, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. He intercedes for us. And I'll admit, I might have some idols, some gods that I deal with sometimes, right? We all like football at certain times of year, right? And only a few of you know, but I really, lo- I really love golf. But you know what God has taught me since we moved down here a few years ago? I don't golf hardly anymore. At first, I was upset, right? I'm like, why? I need to go golfing. That's what, one of the reasons why we moved down here. But you know what? God subtly changed it for me. I don't have a desire anymore. That was God. I chose him through the working of the Spirit that I need to serve God more. Not just here with Lake Point Church, but everywhere I'm at, at work. I'm telling you, friends, there is people that are hurting. I just talked to a teacher down in sixth grade yesterday. And she told a story about her brother in ICU. He's been there for weeks. She's a faithful woman of God. We prayed. We have a chance to serve God no matter where we're at. Anywhere. And I, what I like to do when I come before church, and we, I love the fellowship. Pastor Frank and I love the fellowship. But sometimes... We just need to check ourselves before we come. On our way to the car or even your devotional time before you come here, take a moment and just be in the presence of God before you come. Because if you've got stuff going on in your life before you worship and serve God, take that time. I, I almost guarantee you it will be taken away for that time. It's happened to many people that I know and love. It will happen. We are to serve God and Jesus with gladness. Sometimes work is hard, but you know what? Like I've always said many times up here, that what God did for us by sending Jesus on the cross for our sins, we can do a lot of things because of what he did on the cross. Remember, serve God. You have the working of the Holy Spirit in these temptations. Seek the Holy Spirit. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. I pray when I'm in this devotional that one of the boys gave me for Father's Day. It's a 30-day devotional. It's a continuous cycle. And there's a few prayers from the common book of prayer from, I think it was a 1592 or 62. There's a certain prayer about Illumination of prayer and illumination for being in the word of God. It's a powerful prayer. Holy Spirit will guide you. 
no matter what capacity that your spiritual gifts do it, serve God and serve Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for today. Father, I pray in advance for the, the meeting that we're going to have this morning, Father. And Father, we thank you so much. We love you, God, and we love Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We deserve so much punishment, but God, thank you. You sent your son, Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that somebody of his conviction that needs to confess or come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that for today for somebody, Father God. We live in a wicked world, but we have hope in you and in Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.